الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد الصلاة طهرة للقلوب من أدناس الذنوب واستفتاح لباب الغيوب الصلاة محل المناجاة ومعدن المصافات تتسع فيها ميادين الأسرار وتشرق فيها شوارق الأنوار Ritual prayer is a purification for hearts and an opening up of the door of the invisible domains. Ritual prayer is the place of intimate discourses and a mine of reciprocal acts of purity, wherein the domains of the innermost being are expanded and the rising gleams of light ray out. Now that sounds highly profound and complex. Let's try to understand what he's saying here because this is speaking about some of the mysteries of Salat, of why Salat is performed and what a person can get out of Salat, can receive out of Salat because Salat, we're told to do it five times a day pretty much throughout our life. There's no exceptions to it. There's no day which is a holiday except for women. They have certain periods but other than that, for men and for women at other times, there's no holiday, Eid day, whatever day it may be, we have to perform Salat. Now if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala insisted on us performing Salat, then clearly there must be a very good reason for that. To do it over and over and over again, there must be a very good reason for doing that. One of the points that come to mind is that if you have to do something over and over again, and... Regard, I mean, despite it being relatively a simple act of certain movements, a set of each rak'at, each salat is a number of rak'ats. So the fact that we have to do salat over and over again, despite it being just a number of rak'ats, each rak'at consisting of a standing prostration, sajda, and a sitting, despite that, it's got the largest chapter of it is taken up in the books of hadith. Kitab salat is generally the largest chapter. Books of fiqh as well, Kitabul Salat, the book of Salat's rulings, is the largest chapter, generally speaking. And you wonder, it's such a simple act that we do every day, but it has so many rulings. Well, that just proves that despite its apparent simplicity, the, the, there, there are a lot of complications because it does include a number of different things. Again, that's all talking about the apparent aspect of Salat, the standing, the prostration, making sure what you read is correct. If you make a mistake in this, then this is what happens. If you make a mistake in, of this level, then the salat could be invalidated. In this level, then you could get, you can um, correct it by just doing a sadda to sahu, etc., etc. This, however, deals with it from the inner side. And generally, we're told to have concentration and devotion in salat. But the higher mysteries are hardly ever revealed to us unless it's a personal experience. The Salat, they generally say, is the mi'raj of the believer, the ascension of the believer. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ had a physical mi'raj, physical ascension, where he went in body and blood and uh, soul to up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, we obviously won't be taking that journey before our death, but at least spiritually, that is something we try to attain. So he says, ritual prayer first is a purification for the hearts. That is what it's supposed to be. If it's not, then it's not, the, it's not done very well. If it's done very well, then it will be a purification of the hearts. 
and an opening up to the door of the invisible domain. So most people understand that it's a purification of the heart, but it's also an opening of the door to the invisible domain. This is, this is as in the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, that door that opens up into the other world. And, you know, as you, uh, you know, th these are seemingly mystical things, seemingly mythical things. But in this case, they're mystical as opposed to mythical. But these are the doors that if you want to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you get there through prayer. Suddenly things start making sense now of why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to stand for so long. You know, despite feet becoming tired, I mean, the only place you would stand like that is where you really want something, where you're really enjoying something. You managed to get to speak to someone and you had to run out of the masjid uh, without your shoes on to, to make, you know, a big scholar came or something like that, big wali of Allah came and you had to run out, run out of the masjid without your shoes on because if you wanted to get your shoes, you would have gone. And you meant you now managed to stand and, and he was giving you five minutes to speak to him. You know, it could be wet on the floor or whatever, but that's all going to be now, your, your mind is going to disassociate with that. Generally, if you're outside without shoes on, your mind is very focused on that because we're out of our norm. But here what's happened is that we're, we've, got two, uh, we've got two situations. One is that we're able to speak to this person that we want to speak to for a very long time, which is more important than the slight discomfort from standing without our shoes on. So this is mind over matter in everything that is. But the only way we can do this is if we learn to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that door does become open to us then our salats will be more enjoyable. Then you can see why people will stand for hours and pray salat. It just makes it... This is all conceptual right now, but inshallah, Allah make it a reality for us. <clears throat> then he says, ritual prayer is the place of intimate discourse. So it opens the door of invisible domains. Intimate discourse is the next thing. You, that's when you start speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a mine of reciprocal acts of purity which sounds very complicated, we'll be, uh, we'll be looking at the commentary there, wherein the domains of the innermost being are expanded and the rising gleams of light ray out. Now that's really uh, high level, uh, high level. But <clears throat> the heart of the chosen servant of Allah are perpetually absorbed in his invocation. And this is what we call a wukuf qalbi, that we've been constantly saying that this is what we're trying to attain, that we're constantly attentive of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is wukuf qalbi. Now although this is coming from a totally different tradition, the commentary we're reading is uh, from the Chishti tradition, though he's based it on the Shadili tradition, because the original, what I read was from Ibn Ata'illah. That's Ibn Ata'illah's hikmah, one of his hikam. And <clears throat> the commentary has uh, no doubt, Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi rahmatullahi alayhi, he's taken it from some of the early commentators, like Abu al-Abbad, um, Ar-Rundi, who is one of the, the great commentators of the book, I'm sure he's taken from the early commentaries as well. But definitely there's, this is the, this is the whole purpose of all tariqas, to become attentive of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what you call ihsan. And That you worship Allah as though you're seeing Him. And if you don't see Him, you're not in a state of worship, like maybe formal worship, then you know that he's at least seeing you regardless of what, you're, what situation you're in. That's another way to look at that as well. So, the heart of the chosen servants of Allah are perpetually absorbed in his invoc invocation. However, association with people and tending to natural needs produce a kind of forgetfulness. This is what you call ghafla. And a relationship with beings other than Allah. 
So, <clears throat> as a result, the heart becomes contaminated. Now remember, if we start off from where we came from, which is the state of pure fitra, كُلُّ مَوْلُودٍ يُولَدُ عَلَى الْفِتْرَةِ Every individual, every offspring is born on the primordial natural nature, the fitra. What is that? That comes from the fact that when Adam salam was created, we were then told to, we, we were, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expressed himself to us. And then we recognized him and every one of us said, we believe in you. You know, you are our Lord. So based on that is how we come in the world. So we're already inclined to that. We've already witnessed it. That is what you call fitra. Problem is that it changes in the world, it gets contaminated. This is the contamination it's speaking about. <clears throat> so then, once that contamination happens due to our indulgence in the world, and that's a, it's going to happen. At some level, there's gonna, it's going to happen because worldly, worldly things will take us away. To some level, we'll become occupied with worldly things. Yet, when servants become engrossed in the ritual prayer salat, their hearts are cleansed of the foreign pollution. And the divine perception is again restored to their hearts in accordance with their respective ranks. Accordance with their respective, uh, their respective ranks. We have a, imagine we have a high status with Allah. We had a slight ghafla, slight distraction. When we make salat, if we had a high connection with Allah, then we should be able to get right back into that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like, for example, I want to speak to someone. The first time I see him, I'll have a little conversation. There's going to be a bit of formality there, right? There's going to be a bit of um, formality where I have to try to explain to them that I am a friendly person. I would like to speak to you, I would like to benefit from you, I have some honor for you, and then they have to have the same thing, uh, they have to reciprocate in the same way. The next time we meet, for example, there was this scholar author that I met once in Abu Dhabi. He just came recently and he had a book launch here and I met him again. <clears throat> and he looked at me and he goes, I remember you, right? And then I said, yes, we met in Abu Dhabi and you know we were at that dinner table etc because yeah, yeah that's it and then he was much more freer the second time if I meet him again he'll be even more free so that's how it's with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's not about just sitting on the same table that's just not an option there it's about trying to speak to him now in our salat if we're just focused on finishing off the ritual as we spoke about last time you know, it's all an external form. As he says himself, uh, uh, right? Actions are just outwardly spiritual forms. And the, the real kernel of it is wujudul ikhlasi fihi, is that you have ikhlas in it. So in our salat as well, it's something very similar that <clears throat> we can't just be doing it and be in the presence. Allah, we're in Allah's presence all the time, so it's about us showing Him extra, which is that I'm trying to get to know you, O Allah. Just like we would do with anybody else, you know, you, we make an effort to try to get to know them. You know, we make a certain expression of our face, we say something, we may give a gift, this th thing. So we have to appropriately try to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our salat. 
So that would be the first thing. So when a servant becomes engrossed in the ritual prayer, their hearts are cleansed of the foreign pollution and the divine perception is again restored to their heart according to their respective ranks. Now, of course, if, if we've had a good connection with that person, for example, if I go to a person who is um, who I don't know and I have to speak to him formally, that's going to be very different from someone who does know them, who can speak more informally, who've known them from before. And then number three, if they've got a relative or their son or daughter or somebody comes along, they'll be even more formal. Right? So as you can see from that, it's uh, how do we become so close to and informal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When I say informal, there, there's a special adab there as well in that informality. I just mean that you don't have to have pretenses anymore. Because that is why if you notice in Urdu, when we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't use uh, the royal you. We, we don't say tum or aap as you would do to your father. You get so important personal that we actually then start saying tu mujhe de de, tu maghfirat kar de. And I used to always, when I was young, I used to always think that's, that was like disrespectful. Because to your parents, you're saying aap, tum, you know. And uh, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's like tu maaf kar de, tu maaf kar de. It's like what kind of tu, tu, tu is this? Do you understand? But that is a special position that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be so impersonal with Him at that level. But with, of course, that awe in our minds and respect for Him. <clears throat> so that's why the, the salat of a higher wali of Allah is going to be different. Because that entire uh, divine perception is going to be at a higher level when they enter into salat. When the foreign veils are removed from their hearts during the ritual prayer, thus eliminating any impediments... The doors of hidden divine mysteries and the secrets of divine knowledge open in their hearts. Thus their ritual prayer becomes the substratum for communion with their Lord. Becomes the level of communication with the Lord. Now Surah Al-Fatiha will have a totally different meaning. When you say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praises to Allah, Lord of the worlds. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. That seems like you're just getting into it. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Right? The most merciful, the most mercy giving. Maliki Yawmiddin, Lord, a sovereign of the Day of Judgment. And then you suddenly start making dua. Iyaka na'budu, only you. Can you see how it suddenly went from the, past ten, uh, from the third person to the second person? It's almost like you made the connection. So initially you're praising him as the third person. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praises to Allah, like the third person. And then suddenly you start saying, It's almost like we've connected now. But that connection needs to happen. Right? Like we've just suddenly gone down into, we've suddenly or rose to that level, I would say, <clears throat> and made that association with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus their ritual prayer becomes a substratum for communion with their Lord. Their hearts become imbued with sincerity and love, leaving no room whatsoever for anything besides Allah. It's total immersion now. It's absolute immersion. There's nothing. And that's why the Sahaba is 
as Abu Bakr Siddiq and all the others were, it was known about their stories that they would be totally undistracted in Salat time. You know, the world could break around them and they were still in their Salat. They were in another world. <clears throat> now, of course, that's a very high level, but we need to get somewhere on that level. <clears throat> we mustn't think that because that seems at such a high level, we can't get anywhere. There remains then not the slightest vestige of fear or constriction in their hearts as they expand for the intake of divine mysteries. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He starts to provide the divine mysteries, the heart expands to accommodate. For these illustrious servants, celestial illuminations, anwar, glitter like stars in their ritual prayer. They perceive this illumination with the eyes of the heart. Every believer should strive to perform such a prayer. It's a very high level. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us some level of that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, He created us so He understands our situation. He completely understands our situation. So now, there are many different worships. So this is what Ibn Atayullah says. He says, لَمَّا عَلِمَ الْحَقُّ مِنْكَ وُجُودَ الْمَلَلِ لَوَّنَ لَكَ absolutely beautiful words says since Allah knows of the existence of weariness on your heart He has varied the acts of obedience for you. Essentially saying, since Allah knows the existence of you getting bored by doing something repetitively, human nature, so He has varied the acts of obedience for you. And since He knows of the existence of impulsiveness in you, He has limited them to specific times. So that your concern be with the performance of the ritual prayer, not with the existence of the ritual prayer. Perform the ritual prayer, don't just let it exist. Put some ikhlas in there, do it right. For not everybody who prays performs well. Man is by nature of a weak constitution and thus tires of doing the same act for a length of time. Prolonged performance makes the act difficult. That's human nature, that's just human nature. Yet his heart feels no strain in a variety of acts, and he is therefore better equipped to accomplish them all. Nevertheless, it should be understood that it is incumbent on the servant to perpetually apply himself to the worship of Allah, as ordered. Even in Salat, it's different. It's not just sitting in one place and doing something. It's doing many different things, even in Salat. In view of this disposition of man, Allah Most High designed a variety of acts of worship for him. He has not decreed perpetual observation of any one act of worship, because a servant would tire of it. For example, had a perpetual, perpetual state of ritual prayer been decreed, if we'd have to be just doing salat all the time, the servant would certainly be exhausted. The heart of the servant now remains in worship on account of the variety. So if nothing else, just being conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, the variety such as the ritual prayer, recitation of the Qur'an, pilgrimage to Makkah, an entire state is a state of worship. And the 
zakat, sacrifice, fasting, invocation, etc. His heart does not become bored because of the taste of each worship is different. May Allah give us that taste of each worship. In this way, the entire time of the dedicated servant is spent in worship without the servant tiring and becoming bored. He does not therefore abandon worship. In contrast to the condition of tiring and becoming bored is the trait of misguided greed and enthusiasm. So one, is that a, one extreme is that a person gets bored. The other one is misguided greed and enthusiasm. That's very interesting. What would that mean? I mean, think about it. This is speaking about what we spoke about, I think, two majlises ago. About a person trying to do too much. Misguided in that regard, subhanAllah. So, this tells you that our way, our way is not of extreme. It's not about just worship and do nothing else. You know, go into a cave and don't and forget the dunya. It is a balance. And he's constantly reminding us at every step of this balance. Today you'll find very few Zahids as of the olden times. Because the initial, you can say, expression of the soul was this absolute abstinence from the world. Eating so less that you'd only defecate once every 15 days. As is related of Ibn Abi Layla. But that's, <clears throat> you know, you, the ulama of this time hardly ever speak about that level now. If you can just avoid the, the useless acts, but still stay within the dunya. And avail yourself of. So in contrast <clears throat> to the conditions of tiring and becoming bored is the, tri uh, is the tra trait of misguided greed and enthusiasm. When this trait exceeds the limits, the act is corrupted. For example, when there is extreme enthusiasm for the ritual prayer, it will be difficult to discharge it with all of its rights. You'll, you'll start slacking off because you won't have the same enjoyment in it. Now, this is different from spending two hours in Salat if you're really enjoying it. But there has to be a level where eventually, you know, you start feeling hungry and tired. And then after that. So, for example, uh, you know, when I used to go to, uh, uh, you, go, you go for Umrah or Hajj and you go to the Rawdah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, initially you go with this great feeling of thought, uh, zeal, fervor to speak to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So you pour your heart out, you give all the salams that you can. Eventually it comes a time when you don't know what else to say anymore. It sounds empty now. You've, you've, your emotions are not as they were a few minutes ago. You've said all your salams, you've made your dua, whatever you want, to, you want to speak about, you've done it. And now it's like you feel that you should still stay there just to maximize the time. But your heart is not there anymore. Do, do you understand what I'm speaking about? So I used to always wonder how to deal with that situation. And uh, last year when I was reading through this uh, book, it says that you should stand there as long as your heart is in focus and you say what you can. Once you've said what you have and now you no longer have anything to say and your heart is, presence is not there fully, then move away. Go and do something else. Then it's bad other to kind of stand around and do that and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because when you're there you should be in focus
This is similar to when you go to visit somebody. You've said what you want and then you're just kind of sitting around. One is if you're informal and you're just sitting around for a few hours with people, that's a different story. When you're going to someone who, you know, has time that they want to use well, then you do suddenly start feeling awkward, start shifting in your feet. But you don't want to go or something like that or you don't know what to do. So in this case, you do that and then you move away. And generally, that's the same kind of thing if your sheikh is very busy. When I was studying in Syria, um, Sheikh Adib Kallas, he didn't have any scheduled classes. The way it works there is you go to his house, you climb this massive hill and you go to his class in a place called Muhajirin in Damascus. And when you get there, there's about 10 other people there. Right? And he's got this large room with lots of chairs around. And sometimes there's a few women there as well, but full niqab, hands, everything covered like nothing. You know, like, yeah. And each person just goes to him and takes their kitab, whatever that book, whether that's... Uh, I remember one person, uh, he used to come with uh, Tafsir Al-Kabir of Imam Razi. And I was with Mullah Ali Al-Qari's commentary of Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar. There were somebody with Jawharat Al-Tuhfat Al-Murid, Jawharat Al-Tawheed, there were a few others. They would come and then, you know, he would read for about 10 minutes or whatever, you know, you do your lesson. And then after that, you could sit there when somebody else's lesson was taking place as well. You know, then they would go and then they would go. And but he'd given me certain days. I think it was Tuesday and maybe one other day where I could go. I only had three or four months there, so I wanted to maximize my time. So one day I showed up on Monday. And that was supposed to be a private majlis that he has for some of the ulama of the city. Uh, in fact, it was, uh, you know, our great Hanafi Sheikh uh, Ibn Abidin, Shami, Shami. Some of his descendants, they would go to study with him. So I remember I kind of popped in and he did get upset that day. Don't you know this is a time of special... But then he still let me sit there. So that's a bit pushing it. Now, okay, I made that mistake once. So I, was, I didn't make a mistake. I probably pushed it, right? Uh, um, but if I do that every week, then eventually he's going to hate me, right? Eventually it's going to get problematic. One time away, okay, that, although he's upset, but it gives him the impression that I really want to study. So that helps, right? But then if I keep doing that, unless, you know, you've got a special strategy of... Uh, it just depends on the person at the end of the day. But that's, that's with humans, that's with people. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's got time for all of us. With people we get tired, you know, there has to be. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's got time for all of us as long as you got something to offer Him. That's the main thing. That's why even Rasulullah sallallahu you got something to offer, you can sit there for hours. There are people who've sat there for hours. But once your mind, you know, we, we don't have that level of concentration. We, we're going to get distracted. We're just going to hear, hear a beep in our pocket when we're giving salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or we're going to hear a, a vibration in our pocket and that's it. Our concentration is gone. It's distraction. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our muraqabas are like that as well. So it's about getting that level of concentration. So, <clears throat> when the, this trait exceeds this, the limit, the act becomes corrupted. For example, when there is extreme enthusiasm for the ritual prayer. Now, how can you have extreme enthusiasm for the ritual prayer? What kind of a concept is that? I mean... Have you ever heard of that? Like somebody who wants to produce too much prayer? 
It will be difficult to discharge it with all of its rights. Such extreme enthusiasm will cause one to refrain from ablution so that one remains engrossed in the ritual prayer. Or one will recite the Qur'an hastily without humility and reflection. In view of this disposition in man, Allah Most High has forbidden him from the ritual prayer and other worship at certain times so that man does not plunge headlong into any deed in haste and with excessive enthusiasm. So when it comes to sunset, when it comes to sunrise, when it comes to noon, three times kind of equally split through the day, no prayer. I don't care what you want. You can't pray. The night time is the longest, generally, unless it's, unless it's uh, summer in England. right? But generally around the equator, the, the night is uh, you know, of a decent level. So he wants us to stop. You'll be forced to stop. Your salat will be invalid at that time. He has decreed ritual prayer at appointed times so that the servant resolves to execute it with perfection. Haste and enthusiasm lead to only the external form of ritual prayer because eventually that, that is what we will become. You'll just do the external form just to show I'm doing this body of worship. The inner heart will go. This is the human nature. Between the form and the perfect prayer, there is a great difference. And that is why <clears throat> Islam is very different in terms of its mystical uh, in terms of its mystical. Um, uh, states with any other religion uh, today what's very popular is Buddhism and Hindu meditation that's what's kind of very popular outside and there's one called mindlessness uh, I was in an Islamic psychology course and what he was describing is that the state that um, th they are speaking about there is that a person almost becomes like he's mentally floating totally disconnected with reality he's this doesn't feel anything he's just in this total state of um, a floating state on another cloud doesn't feel anything whatsoever he says that's not Islamic for us we still believe in perception because we have rights to fulfill outside so our state is not like that yes we can get engrossed in our prayer but that prayer will then has movements in it it's not just this one state of sitting even if you're doing muraqabah you're going to have to get up for prayer you know you can't miss prayer because of muraqabah right it's a different thing but this is like this perpetual state where somebody can sit on a log naked right in uh, you know in in some uh, forest in india for for this long without eating or whatever that's not that's not what we have everything is regulated that's why it's not even allowed to perpetually fast without breaking in in between you have to do iftar, it's makru to delay that. So it's very important to keep the body, human body in balance because that is what's going to help you afterwards. So this state of mindlessness where it's almost like a dream world that you're living in another world and you're totally disconnected, that's not what we want. We are responsible for our body so we have to be connected with that as well. But it's about getting the balance in all of this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. And above all, the other thing is uh, what the Shaykh said is that if you work hard during Ramadan and you're making your salat, then one of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites a person to is to go to Hajj so that you can get as close as possible. Now, of course, you're never close physically to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you are close to the representation of His house and you're allowed to then go around the house seven times. Now, if you don't have this spiritual understanding of Hajj, 
if you don't have the spiritual understanding of Hajj, what is the point of Tawaf? People will do it, but what's the point of it? Most people ask this question, what's the point of going around seven times? We just don't see the logic in there. But the thing is that the heart is, should be making the Tawaf of just going around the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma salam wa minka salam tabarakiyat al-jalali wal-ikram Allahumma ya hayyu ya qiyum wa rahmatika nasdaghiyya Allahumma ya hinnanu ya mannan La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin Jazallahu anna muhammad ma'u'ala Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallam Allahumma ghfir lana Allahumma ghfir lana Allahumma ghfir lana اللهم اهدنا واهدي بنا واجعلنا هداة لمن اهتدى او الله اكسبت اور دعاز او الله اكسبت اور مجالس او الله اكسبت اور gathering here to remember you او الله make this a gathering that is with full with its spirit and not just an external form او الله grant us ikhlas in our acts او الله grant us ikhlas in our acts او الله او الله اكسبت اور دعاز O oh Allah, purify our hearts. O oh Allah, make this a means of purification of our hearts and to see things with more reality than we've seen them before. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to see the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it and allow, allow us to see the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. O oh Allah, give us stronger willpower. O oh Allah, grant us your taqwa. O oh Allah, grant us a heart which is connected to you, which is constantly in, in, in remembrance of you. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you bless us in this manner. O oh Allah, that you forgive us. O oh Allah, we have committed many sins in the, in the brightness of the day, the darknesses of the night. O oh Allah, we've committed many sins that we remember and that we don't remember. O oh Allah, many sins we may have con committed by mistake. But O oh Allah, there must be many that we knew we were disobeying you and we still violated. We still, we still committed this violation. O oh Allah, there are many sins that we knew that we were violating your rights and we still committed them with the wealth that you gave us, with the health that you bestowed us with. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us these, ma these major crimes that have been committed by us. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we are confessing, confessing violators. O oh Allah, we ask you, we ask you that you, give, you shower us with your mercy. Oh Allah, we don't want to be obstinate. We, we're confessing of our sins. We know we've done wrong. And we know that that is why we, we receive all of the problems that we do. And that's why we are depressed and we can't, we can't deal with our lives. And lives become complicated for us. Oh Allah, makes our lives easy for us. Constantly in connection to you. In connection with you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you bless us. You bless us like you blessed your awliya. You bless us like you bless your you blessed your chosen ones. Oh Allah, make us of your chosen ones. Oh Allah, we're constantly, we would, we are like to say that we are yours. We call out to you. We gather for you. We pray to you. We worship you. We bow down to you. We prostrate to you. We recite your words, your Quran. Oh Allah, and we fast for you. We perform all of these acts of worship. Oh Allah, once just tell us that you. You, you tell us once that you are also mine. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we would like you to shower our hearts with your mercy. Shower our hearts with your mercy and grant us stability in this world, conduciveness to all the worship that we'd like to do. Allow your worship, allow your worship and your dhikr 
allow your remembrance to emanate from every part of our body. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the true Salat. You grant us a Salat that is filled with connection and intimate discourse. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you connect ourselves to you in our Salat. Oh Allah, this is one of the doorways that you've given us, one of the paths to you. And we've been praying for years and years. We've been praying for decades. Oh Allah, never once have we opened this door. Never once have we opened this door. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to open this door to you so that we enjoy our prayers. Oh Allah, turn our prayers around. Make them totally different to what we've been doing until now. Oh Allah, make them the real prayers. Make them the real prayers. Make them the real prayers. Oh Allah, grant us grant us closeness to you in our prayers so that we enjoy our prayers. We look forward to the next prayer. We look forward to the next prayer. That we're not distracted by other things. We never miss a prayer. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq too and invite us and accept that we come to your house as frequently as possible. Allow us to experience the haramain and the visit to the haramain. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow us to say labbaik, that we are present for you in the true sense of that word. Oh Allah, allow us to benefit from the barakat that are there in your Prophet's masjid, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and in your house in the haram in Mecca. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us full advantage of us being there when, we, when you do bring us there. And you grant us accepted pilgrimages. You grant us accepted worship. And you make that truly a state where we connect with you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you give, you, you give us full immersion in our muraqabat. And you give us a balanced understanding of everything that we do in our life. You protect us from excesses. And you protect us from shortcomings. Oh Allah, you protect us from excesses and you protect us from shortcomings. Oh Allah, allow your dhikr to be part of our life and the life of our progeny until the Day of Judgment. Oh Allah, everybody in our life and our progeny. Oh Allah, fill our forefathers and their graves with nur. Oh Allah, our mashayikh of the past who have worked hard to get this message to us and to get this barakat and these benefits to us. Oh Allah, bless them abundantly. Oh Allah, bless them abundantly. Oh Allah, bless all of our shuyukh and our teachers and our parents and grant them the highest statuses in Jannatul Firdaus and allow us to accompany them in the hereafter. Allow us to accompany them in the hereafter. Oh Allah, don't let us ever see a bad day with our children and our progeny. Oh Allah, constantly keep us preserved and protected from all of the evils out there. Oh Allah, grant us success both in this world and especially in the hereafter. Oh Allah, grant us ease in our safar of Hajj. Oh Allah, grant us ease in our safar of Hajj. And oh Allah, grant us ease in our worldly activities. Oh Allah, grant us blessing in these first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Whether we are in Hajj or whether we're sitting at home. Oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq. Grant us tawfiq. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillah.